Smarties, today, Steph and I chat about why virtual educational therapy is not online school. We talk about our thinking before the pandemic and how the pandemic completely shifted our thinking about virtual educational therapy. We discuss the challenges that online school presented for learners and their families and how virtual educational therapy is just not the same thing. We chat about the virtues of virtual educational therapy and how to have a conversation with your clinician about what would work best for your family. Smarties, if you are hesitant about virtual learning and you want to talk to us about it, sign up for a phone call on our websites, www.myedtherapist.com. Steph's practice based in Redondo Beach, California, does all the things with all types of learners. And my practice, CAP Educational Therapy Group, located in Beverly Hills, California, focuses on learners with ADHD and executive functioning skills challenges. And we'd be happy to chat with you about whether or not virtual educational therapy is a good fit for your family. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 217 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we're talking about virtual educational therapy and how it is not the same thing as online schooling. Steph, how did you feel about virtual ET prior to the pandemic? Where were you with that? We had a couple in the practice mm-hmm. and they were all middle or high school, no elementary school kids. There was talk about maybe doing it, but it just felt too hard. It felt too hard for the kids. It felt too hard for all the resources that we had access to. We hadn't really figured out how to do it in a way that felt right. like it was productive enough. Right. And I know that you felt the same way, right? It was something that I was okay with on occasion with learners who had long been established parts of CAP educational therapy groups. So they were going out of town, but they still needed to check in or mm-hmm. something came up that day that they wouldn't be able to make the, into the office. Yeah, let's get on Zoom. We already have a rapport. I think I was also very concerned about the rapport and like that in-person connection. Obviously, the pandemic totally flipped that on its head for all of us. And we had to all figure out how to make virtual work work. And I've really come around on it. I only see learners virtually, me, myself. My team does both, at least as of today's recording date. (laughs) It could change. But the one thing that I would say is that Rapora has not suffered. No, it has not suffered. I think the biggest thing for me, and I see kids two days a week in the office and two days a week virtually. Mm-hmm. And I think that the biggest thing that I struggled with prior to COVID with virtual learning, because we had kids that were in other states. And so that's how they started. Right. But the younger kids didn't know how to use Zoom or use the computer Mm -hmm. or access things that we maybe needed them to access in those moments. So it had to be 
very contingent on a parent being there and being able to navigate on the computer and all of that. And I think that was just a logistics right. situation, mm-hmm. right? That I thought, oh, this is rough. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this can happen. Well, obviously that changed. Mm-hmm. So I think the kids learned how to actually do the things on the computer. And I think that they learned how to establish relationships or have relationships virtually. And unfortunately, they might be better at that right now than they are in person. Mm -hmm. So I think that, in my opinion, those were the biggest problems with it prior to the pandemic. But now what we want to talk about is the difference between what the pitfalls were of online school Mm -hmm. and how doing it still as educational therapy is very different. I think a lot of parents in particular, and maybe teachers too, were very traumatized by online learning. Yeah. And it was really difficult for all the aforementioned reasons, all the challenges that we all know that learners went through and their parents. Mm -hmm. The online portals, incredibly challenging. And if you want to go back and listen to that episode, we'll link our episode on online portal pitfalls in the show notes. Because I think a lot of parents really saw a lot more of what their kids were going through. In a lot of ways, it solved a lot of problems too. That's true. One of the problems just from a business perspective that it solved in my practice was we could more readily see kids who were not immediately local to us. If our only way of working with kids was in person, then we were only working with kids who were very, very local to us in person. Because in LA, you don't want to be crossing certain freeways at certain times of day. And I think it has really opened up schedules. And I just think it's in addition to being incredibly effective for the work that we do, mm-hmm. it's solved problems. But I think sometimes when parents hear a virtual option, they're not always the most open to it because of that trauma that we all experienced when it was like our kids were in school on Friday and then didn't go back to school for a year and a half mm-hmm. starting that Monday, right? So there are challenges of online school that don't exist within virtual ed therapy. So what are some of them stuff? So, okay. There were a lot of kids and one adult. Yeah. And everyone was doing different things and had different background noises and couldn't find their pencil. I was on online school with one kid in particular. Do you remember me saying, yeah, this poor teacher is constantly saying, okay, can you try to find a pencil? Mm hmm. Where can you find a pencil? Yeah. Oh, you need to go to the bathroom? Okay, go to the bathroom. Oh, your screen's not working? Okay. Oh, you can't get on this screen? Oh, there's your parents are on a a call? Okay. You know, it was just constant. Mm -hmm. There was also a lot of reluctance for the camera to be turned on. Mm -hmm. That was a big thing. And then we couldn't see them. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard. There were a lot of unclear expectations because, listen, we as teachers didn't know what the expectations (laughs) were and they were changing on the daily. And there was a lot of fear and unknown, and that's very hard to manage in a world. And the rest of that first school year, the grades didn't matter. And then the next school year, they did matter. Everything was changing. Then we talked about the difficulty with the managing portals and teachers having stuff in different places and 
different situations and trying to navigate it. And now all of a sudden teachers who... Keeping all the Zoom links straight. Yes. Oh my gosh. The Zoom links, what time they were, what day they met, because it wasn't all the same, because some of the teachers for the middle and high school kids couldn't be doing everything all at once. And it was just everywhere, right? Then there were a lot of tech problems, of course. The mic wasn't working. The computer stopped working. The wheel of death. I mean, it just... The list goes on and on. And you... As I'm saying this, it's probably like hitting your heart like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I remember that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then all the executive functioning challenges that were going on all at the same time for everybody. The teachers were a little helpless because they couldn't go to the student and actually help them. And when you have 30 kids in a Zoom, it's just chaos. Yeah. So we know it was a nightmare. We know we're glad to be on the other side, for sure. (laughs) But let's talk about why educational therapy can be so effective virtually, whereas online schooling was so hard. The number one place that we always have to start is that it's one-on-one. Yeah. And whether we're in person or on Zoom, it's still one-on-one. And the expectations can be very clear from the get-go about the work that we do and what our expectations are within that work. The second thing is that our learners and the way that we work are very tech-forward naturally. Our learners are digital natives to a certain extent. So are we. I mean, I grew up with a computer in my house. I remember getting it. (laughs) And kids don't have the same aversion to tech that a lot of us do as adults. And they are used to being coached and working through things and learning new things through the tech. So the tech is less of a challenge. And then the practicality of not having to drive and not having a commute, it gives learners independence and what that thing that we're always wanting to find for especially our older learners is we want them to find that free time and not having time in the car when the work is meaningful and effective virtually is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then one of the other blessings of virtual educational therapy as the you know, smarties in our audience who have called us at Maya Therapist or us at CAP Educational Therapy Group is that you have access to educational therapy when it isn't geographically desirable for you. If there's not an ET local to you, you now have access because a lot of us are doing this work virtually. Mm-hmm. And then another concern that we don't actually find to be a challenge in the work that we do but parents are concerned about it, is that a learner with attentional challenges will be like on a different screen. We can see it. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're one of 30 kids or one of 20 kids where it's very obvious that they're not looking and engaging with what we're doing, but we can see it. Yeah. It's like when you see an actor on Saturday Night Live that's reading the card versus yeah. the one that like knows what they're saying, right? You can see. Oh, yeah. Or I can tell, for example, and as I'm sure you can tell, when you're checking your text messages or I'm checking my text messages while we're recording an episode, we know yeah. what's oh, 100%. going on. <laughs> oh, 100%. Which is why Steph always tells me before we hit record, turn off your email, which I do. <laughs> and then there's just the reality in virtual educational therapy, that some kids just do better. Some kids dig it. They just do. 
And just in the same way that some kids do better, some clinicians do better virtually. It's just really afforded some flexibility and some creativity in the work that we do. And it was a huge upheaval when we were all forced into it. It was incredibly stressful. Now, you know, two years later, looking back on it, traumatic event. I don't know that I processed it as that at that moment. There was also a lot of other things going on for me at that moment too. For sure. But it was a traumatic event. And I don't know that we're on the other side of it, but certainly the world has shifted and educational therapy has shifted along with it. The takeaway is don't be afraid to meet a clinician and work with a clinician virtually. It is effective. Report does not suffer. Yeah. And a lot of kids love it. Mm -hmm. We don't want it to be a stopgap. No. For parents. So, you know, and if you have questions or you're concerned, reach out to us. Yeah, we'll talk to you through it. Not every learner is a good candidate for virtual, Mm -hmm. but a lot are. Case by case. As always. But don't be afraid of it because it's great. Yeah, for sure. All right, Smarties, have a great week. Have a great week.